in the book of Genesis. So how do you like that for a transition? So uh, let's, uh, let's pray and then we'll get into it. All right, Heavenly Father, uh, we uh, thank you uh, for, for Jesus. We thank you for the way that he responded in his time and in his place. And uh, as we all kind of contemplate the times that we are in uh, and our place in this world, uh, I pray that we would respond uh, the way you have called us to respond. Uh, it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I was reading a story uh, this week about a woman uh, that was uh, trying to get some government assistance, and one of the things that was required of her, uh, she had two children, was a DNA test to kind of prove that her children were, were hers, and they did the DNA test. She remembered giving birth to them and everything, and when the DNA test came back, it was shown that her children, uh, she was actually their aunt, not their mother. And she was very traumatized by this and couldn't figure it out and uh, was being accused of fraud by the government agency she was working with. And so she was pregnant for a third child. And uh, this time she decided to call the government official in uh, to kind of be at the hospital when her third child was born. They, uh, she gave birth, they did another DNA test that was performed on the spot. And again, it showed that the child that she had just birthed uh, was, she was the aunt of the child uh, not the mother, and they were trying to figure out what on earth was going on, and it was finally discovered uh, that, that the woman was a chimera. In other words, she had absorbed a twin while she was in the womb, and her twin's DNA was showing up in all the maternity tests for some reason. Uh, just kind of blew everybody away. And I, I've been thinking a lot about these kind of DNA, uh, you know, tests that everybody is doing and how kind of fascinated we are by that. We're, we're fascinated by our personal history. We're, we're fascinated by our background. We're fascinated by our origin story in, in a lot of different ways. We want to know where we came from. We want to know our genealogy. Uh, as I joked around a couple weeks ago, I don't, but you all probably do, right? I'm cool to not know. Um, uh, but a lot of people want to know about their genealogy. And one of the things that we see is not, not in this particular section of scripture that we're in, but through the Old Testament in general, there is a lot of genealogy work. Uh, and uh, you may have found yourself wondering from time to time, why are these genealogies in the Bible? And we're coming up on, I think it's the one that is in uh, the section of scripture we're going to look at. There may be one other one, but we're going to look at this genealogy. And I think it's going to show us and teach us some important things about why genealogies in general are in the Bible, but even more specifically than that, why this genealogy uh, is in the book of Genesis. So, uh, I'm team teaching this with a friend of mine uh, up in Michigan, and he and I went back and forth on whether or not we were going to read the whole genealogy. Um, his church lucked out. He's not doing that this morning. Uh, you did not luck out. Um, so I'm going to read this genealogy, um, and uh, the reason I'm going to read it, and it's going to be on the screen for you, is that these people lived, and they mattered to someone and so I, I just want to take the time to read it. It's a short genealogy. When we get to the longer ones later on uh, in the book of Genesis, I will probably too skip those. But um, I, I want to read this one. It says, from Adam to Noah. This is the written account of Adam's family line. When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. And he named them mankind when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years old, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. After Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Adam lived a total of 930 years, and then he died. 
When Seth had lived 105 years, he became the father of Enosh. After he became the father of Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Seth lived a total of 912 years, and then he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he became the father of Kenan. After he became the father of Kenan, Enosh lived 850 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enosh lived a total of 905 years, and then he died. You're sensing a theme. Um, when Kenan had lived 70 years, he became the father of Mahalalel. After he became the father of Mahalalel, Kenan lived 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Kenan lived a total of 910 years, and then he died. When Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he became the father of Jared. After he became the father of Jared, Mahalalel lived 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Mahalalel lived 895 years, and then he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. After he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived 962 years, and then he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God for 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked beautifully with God, and then he was no more because God took him away. When Methuselah, I'm not going to explain that, by the way. Nobody knows what happened. All right, don't, don't, let, that, don't let them fool you. There's theories but about how he, he was just taken, all right? That, that's what it says. He just was taken, all right? Um, when Methuselah had lived 187 years, he became the father of Lamech. After he became the father of Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Methuselah lived a total of 969 years, and then he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he had a son. He named him Noah and said, he will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord had cursed. After Noah was born, Lamech lived 595 years, had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Lamech lived a total of 777 years, and then he died. After Noah was 500 years old, he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. All right, so this is the type of text that you come across in your Bible reading plan, and you say, sweet, easy day right? Because I'm not reading this. I'm, I'm skipping it. But uh, that, that it's name after name after name. And I think the point of this genealogy, this is kind of my theory, the point of this genealogy is found in the introduction of the genealogy. Very few genealogies in the Old Testament have an introduction the way that this one does. And here's the introduction to the genealogy. When God created mankind, he created them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female, and then he blessed them. And then the rest of the text goes into this detailed account of these actual real-life people that lived, and you probably noticed, died, right? They lived and they died, and they bore the image of God. And here's why this is so important. I think there can sometimes be a disconnect between theological head knowledge and then day-to-day faith, all right? So let me say, you might have a belief, you might have a head knowledge belief that God is in complete control. All right? That's a theology that you believe in, that God is in control of all things. But then you get a bad diagnosis or the layoff happens. And then all of a sudden the theology, the head knowledge gets really, really hard to trust in. You might have a head knowledge that you are saved by grace, 
but then this week you mess up or you screw up or you're thinking about the end of your life and the very first thought that that you have when you think about the end of your life is have I done enough good? Have I been a good enough person? And all of a sudden, this theological belief that you have gets challenged by life circumstances. And it makes it really hard to believe. This happens all the time. that We have something we believe in. We have a theology that we hold on to. And then life happens. And that theological belief uh, gets challenged and gets butted up against. And this is where faith steps in. Right? Faith steps in and says, man, even though this doesn't always make perfect sense, even though this might not make sense in my current circumstance, I am choosing to believe God. I'm choosing to trust in God. Let me show you one of these from the, the life of Jesus that I find this text so interesting. It says, a man in the crowd answered. Just as I'm reading this, try to put yourself in this circumstance. About imagining, imagine this happens at, at a church service that you're in or whatever. But he says, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit and has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. You're gonna talk to someone, how'd church go yesterday? Oh, you you wouldn't believe what happened at church yesterday, right? Um, I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been this way? From childhood, he answered. It has thrown him into the fire or water in order to kill him. But you, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, everything is plausible for the one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I love this, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead, but Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. He had this theological belief that said Jesus can heal anyone, but in the face of the demonic possession of someone he loves, he struggled to truly believe. See, the gap between our head knowledge and our day-to-day challenges, like I said, this is where a thing called faith steps in. It is the gap between what we believe in our head and what we are maybe experiencing on a day-to-day basis. Man, I am choosing to believe. I am choosing to walk in faith. So here's how this is relevant. You might have a belief system that says everyone is created in the image of God. As a belief, you might believe that, but then you leave church today and you enter into the real world and that belief gets challenged. All of a sudden, a guy cuts you off in traffic. You're like, everyone's creating the image of God, but that moron, right? Guy cuts you off in traffic. Coworker bugs the snot out of you. Family member you dread seeing. The politician you can't stand. And all of a sudden, there's a gap. Say, I believe that everyone's creating the image of God, but this person, they're making it challenging. It is hard for me to believe that this person is, but let me tell you something. When you struggle to believe, look at me. It's still true even when you struggle to believe it that God's created everyone in his image. And so this list, I believe, exists as a reminder that this is not just a lofty concept, 
that, that God created men and women in his, in his image. This is not just a lofty concept. There were a real examples that were given in this genealogy. Methuselah, Enoch, Lamech, Noah. This isn't just a concept. They too were created in the image of God. So I want you to think about your list, not just your genealogy. All right, you can think about your genealogy if you know it, but I want you to think about your list of people that you just interact with on a day-to-day basis, people you know, people you have a history with, people that you see every day. I want you to imagine them in a genealogical list and you're looking at the list and I want you to see each name and I want you to be reminded today that they are created in the image of God. Say, not them, not this person. No, they are. They're creating the image of God. And so this list takes us from the theoretical, yeah, 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 people are creating the image of God, to Lamech was, Methuselah was, Enoch was, right, to actual real life people. And we could go around this room and we could say the same to each other, that, that yes, people are creating the image of God. No, Steve Higgs was. Right, Steve Higgs, you were, we, we all were. And so that, there's several things that we learn from this list that I just want to walk through and, and then we'll, we'll call it a day uh, to be reminded of. And first of all, everyone on the, in this gene, genealogical list and everybody in your list as well has a couple things in common. Here's one of them. They were all created. They were all created. I studied all week to give you that nugget. <laughs> they were all created. There came a time... I won't make you say your age. On the count of three, let's all say our age. No, we're not going to do that, right? Now, there came a time where God came up with you. There came, came a time where God thought you up, where God thought me up. And there came a time where God, wherever, whoever your them is, there came a time where God thought them up. And God said, I am going to infuse them with personality. I'm going to infuse them with gifts. I'm going to infuse them with passion. And God kind of placed his mark in their head and, and on their mind and in their heart. And I'm reminded of a text from Luke 12. It said, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet one, not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Uh, I don't know a ton about sparrows as a bird other than I can't stand them. That's the only thing I know. And it's irrational, it's from a childhood trauma, but it, it, we're not getting into that. But let me tell you what I do know about as a bird. I understand these aren't real birds, but uh, a couple summers ago, we had a problem in our, with our chimney at home. And uh, this chimney was allowing bats into our house. And so we call it, we call it the summer of the bat. Um, and uh, the, we, we, it took us a while to figure out where they were coming in from, but they were coming down the chimney. Uh, we've got it solved and taken care of. But uh, the first bat that ever came into our house, I am thanking the Lord God Almighty that there's not any videotape of this event. You would lose total respect for me. Any respect that you have would be lost. Uh, I, I am not proud of the way that I handled it. Uh, that summer, we got five bats into our house. All right, one after another. That fifth bat, Cheryl and I are sitting there watching TV. Bat flies into the room, and Cheryl turns, literally this is how it happened. Cheryl turns to me and says, I'll get the net. <laughs> she gets the net. We have a whole process. We capture the bat. Um, we capture the bat, take it, take it outside. Just as a side note, just so you know, it is illegal in the state of Illinois to kill a bat. All right? So you're not supposed to do that. All right? So we released all our bats. I'm saying this into the microphone. So there's hard evidence of it. All bats have been released. They really have, actually. I'm not going toe-to-toe with a bat. I'm going to lose that every time. But, um, 
So the example Jesus gives here, a very bat-like creature, a sparrow, and he says, uh, not one, (laughs) it's true, I hate them to that level, but not one sparrow is forgotten by God. Same is true for bats, and if it's true for sparrows and it's true for bats, it's even more true for you. And it's even more true for me, that the very hairs on your head are numbered. It's easier uh, for some of you than others, but um, God, (laughs) just, I'll let it marinate just for a second, right? No, it's, um, God knows you. He is the one that thought you up. And when you believe in a thoughtful creation, the very next thing that follows is understanding of thoughtful purpose. That God thought you up and he has a plan and he has a vision for your life. Like I said, this is true for you. It is true for me. It's also true for them. It's true of the guy that's going to cut you off in traffic later today. It's it's true of the person that's going to give you really slow service at the restaurant that you go to. Um, It's true of the person that's going to bug the snot out of you uh, at, at work this week. They were created and that God has a thoughtful, intended purpose for them. Now, Here's the other thing that's true. So everybody's created, everybody's made in the image of God. Here's what's true for all of us as well. We all live out that image imperfectly. And this is where the rub comes in, right? Every person on that list is created in the image of God. They all live out that image imperfectly. And it's true of me and it's true of you and it's true for them. It's true of every person on the Genesis list that there is only, the Bible says there's only really one exact representation of the father. Only one exact representation of the Father, and that's the Son, Jesus Christ. The rest of us regularly fall short. We regularly miss the mark. We regularly fail to live up to our God-given potential. And so that means a couple things for you and for me. It means that we all need instruction, right? Every single person in this room, we need instruction. We need our Creator to tell us this is how life should be lived, We need our Savior to teach us this is how life should be lived. We need instruction from one another. We we need it. And so here's my my advice to you and to me is let's be a people that craves instruction. Uh, Let's be a people that craves teaching from God's word. And here's the deal with that list that I read you earlier, and this is true of everybody in your life and everybody in mine as well. Some of them heeded that instruction and some of them did not. And I find myself asking that question. When I end up on somebody's list someday, I'm going to be on Sam's list. I'm going to be on Lila's list, right? Their genealogical list. Am I a person that listened to and heeded the instruction found in God's word? Am I humble enough to receive it, apply it, and live in it? So they're all, they all fell, fell short of the glory of God. They all fell short of their image-bearing potential. So they all needed instruction. Here's the other thing that's true. They all needed rebuke. Some of the people that on that list, some of them, as you read their stories, some of them believed a lie, that life would be better spent pursuing things. Some of them believed a lie, that life would be better spent in anger, that life would be better spent without God. They bought into this lie, and here's what they needed in the moment of that lie. They needed someone that loved them and cared about them and had a relationship with them to enter into their story and gently and in a grace-filled way to rebuke them to tell them that they were straying from the course and they were heading down a bad path. And listen, nobody likes criticism. Nobody likes rebuke. I don't care how lovingly it's given. It's like, man, I'm telling you, this hurts me more than it hurts you. I doubt it, right? Nobody likes criticism. Nobody likes rebuke, but we need it. It helps us to grow. And so my prayer for me and my prayer for you is that we can accept that. 
When people in our life that love us and care about us come and they offer criticism of us and they offer rebuke of us that we don't just need jerks say, no, no, that, I, that's negative vibes. I don't need, I don't need negative vibes. Not, that we'd say, no, I know you love me. I know you care about me. I wanna, I wanna listen to this. I wanna embrace this. So they all needed rebuke. Here's a big one. They all needed grace. Because every person on that list that I read to you fell short, They all needed grace and a specific type of grace. They needed a grace of the second, third, and fourth chance. Jesus loved this idea so much. A woman is caught in the act of adultery and he says to her, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. A tax collector has been stealing from his own people. Jesus invites him into the inner circle to be one of his apostles. One of his friends ends up denying even knowing him when Jesus needed him the most. Later on a beach around a fire, Jesus restores him to apostleship and calls him into ministry. Here's the deal, guys. And this is something we have to resist hard. We live in a graceless culture. We do. When somebody gets caught up in a sin, our culture is so quick to condemn, point fingers, and permanently attach that sin to that person's biography for the rest of their life. That's the culture we live in. But you and I are called to be different. We are called to be a people like our savior of the second chance, a people of the third chance, a people of the fourth chance. As a matter of fact, Jesus was asked one time, how many times should I forgive my my brother or sister who sins against me? Like seven times? I mean, should we be a person of the seven chances? And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. Never ending is, is really what that means. He said, we are a person of unrelenting grace. And we believe in the second, third, fourth, 490th chance. We live out the teaching that says, love keeps no record of wrongs. We live in grace. We live in love. All right, here's another thing that was true of all of them. They were all part of a bigger and greater story. They all played a part in a bigger and greater story. In this particular case, every person on the list that I read to you, we're gonna see this next week, and you saw it at the very end of the genealogy, but they're all part of this greater story of Noah, this kind of standout life in the middle of a wicked world, in the middle of a difficult world. He stood out, and all his genealogy is a part of his greater story, and here's what was true of them. They had no idea as they were living out the dog days of their life, doing grocery shopping, running errands, living out these simple kind of acts, they had no idea that they were part of this kind of growing and greater story of this standout life known as Noah. They simply had no idea it was happening and you are the same way. You have no idea what God is doing right now, and I have no idea what God is doing right now in terms of the story that he is building, the greater story that he's using us in. Your greatest legacy may be an encouragement that you gave to a stranger. Your your greatest legacy may be a child, a son or a daughter that you raised, a, a grandchild you invested in, a personal relationship that you took seriously. There is a greater story developing around you and you are a part of it. And so I would really hate to see any of us just kind of disengage sit in front of the TV and retire early and not engage with anyone else. It fails to understand that we are part of a greater story. God is still using you, right? If you're not dead, God's not done, 
right? So God is still using you. God still has plans for you. And you are a part of a story that is developing. We just don't know what it is. Now, you might have an idea of what it is, but you you might not as well. And because we don't know for sure, there's only one thing that we can do, all right? And this is the big take-home point, because there's only one thing we can do. And just hold on to that idea just for a second and let me develop it. But here's the last thing. Every person on that list that I, li- that I read, and you, you, I started to hear the kind of snickers and laughter as I was reading the list, because it was uncomfortable. But here's what is true. They all lived a certain amount of time here. And then they died. And then they died. And then they, right, you, you get the point, Right? Person after person, they lived 600 years, 800 years, lived 900 years, and then they died. And you may have noticed that in the story that you got people living 700, 800, 900 years. I was talking to John Shirley, who's teaching our Sunday school class, and he was telling me about a theory that that he had read about... um, that maybe some of these early, uh, early people in this genealogy uh, had some of that garden air still kind of circulating around their lungs, right? That we were intended to live forever and, and then sin enters the world. But for a long while uh, after the garden, people are living these very long lives. And then right around the time of the flood, uh, God starts to limit and number our years. But what is said about all of them is they all lived and they all died. And it's a reminder to me that I don't know how God is going to use me and I don't know how he's going to use you in his great story. I don't know God's ultimate plans for my life so that I only have one option left to me. My option is to be faithful. I'm going to, I'm living right now. All right, yep, yep. I'm living right now. Someday, someday I'm going to die. I don't want to be dark and I certainly don't want this replayed at my funeral. So let's not do that, but Uh, I'm going to live and I'm going to die. My greatest thing I can do right now with whatever time God has given me is to be faithful. With my gifts, to be faithful. With my resources, to be faithful. With my family, to be faithful. With my life, to be faithful. And let God do what God, let God build the story that God's building. I be faithful. I'm faithful with the things that he has given me. And that's all, uh, that's all any of us can do. I find that the nervous laughter is that we are all, this is just true of us as a culture, we're all super uncomfortable with our mortality. And so I'm reading through this list, you know, you know Lamech lived 890 years and then he died. Right? Enoch, you know, this person lived this amount of years and then he died. And, and there's this nervous chuckling happening in the room. It's like, please stop saying the word died. You know, we, because we're all super uncomfortable with our mortality. I, I, I would rather embrace it. And, and, and instead of allowing that to create a fear in me, I would rather allow that to create a faithfulness in me. A lot of people are so scared of dying. You've already been given. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've already been given your eternal life. As a matter of fact, you're living your eternal life right now. Your eternal life started when you expressed your faith in Jesus. And you're going to live a life of loving God, a life of loving others. You're going to do that for all of eternity. And it's already going right now. And so you're already living your eternal life. I want to dissuade you, if I can, from being so fearful and so afraid and so uncertain 
and allow mortality, the mortality we see in this text. Like, well, it's easy to celebrate mortality when you're living 900. I mean, you know, and, and I get that, I do. But to try to set the fear aside and say, man, God has given, God has kind of numbered my days. He knows what those are. He knows how long I'm going to live. He already knows how long I'm going to live. He's given me a certain amount of days. And so each day I'm going to live those to my fullest. And I'm going to be faithful to my family. I'm going to be faithful with my finances. I'm going to be faithful in my work. I'm going to be faithful with my gifts. I'm going to, whatever time God has given me, hopefully it's a lot of years. I know you hope that for yourself too. Hopefully it's a lot of years, but regardless of how many years it is, it's going to result in eternity. But with whatever years he has for me, I'm going to build, build myself and place myself into his, the story that he's developing. Uh, and I'm going to be faithful with whatever time he's given me. That's when you read through that list, there are people in that list that took that super seriously. They took it super seriously. And said, I'm going to be faithful with the 800 years God has given me. I'm going to be faithful with the 500 years that God has given me. I'm just going to be faithful. And I would imagine that there are people in that list that were like, whatever, whatever. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow I die. And I would guess that there are people that squandered their gifts and squandered their abilities and squandered so much. And I know that's a downer, but I guarantee you there are people on that list that just didn't understand the story that God was developing and they squandered it. Let's you and I be faithful. Let's you and I be faithful. We have no idea what God, God has, has the days numbered. That's up to God. Don't even worry about that. Don't even worry about the days. Just be faithful with each one that you have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his grace and that he, here on earth, lived a relatively short life, but he was faithful. With his 30 years, he was faithful. And so we don't know, we, we know that you have the days of, of every man and woman numbered. We, we know that you know uh, and that we don't and that creates in some of us an angst. It creates in some of us a nervousness and a fear that we don't know. I pray that we would just trust that you do know and that the thing that we have that we need to embrace is with whatever that number is in our biography, whatever number it ends up being, that we would be faithful. We'd be faithful with the gifts you've given us. We'd be faithful with the resources you've given us. We'd be faithful with the families that you've given us. We'd be faithful with the friendships you've given us. We'd be faithful to serve you with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that we would live with excellence, faithful lives committed to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.